This is Heart to Heart with Hospice Quinty on 91X. Heart to Heart features important and worthwhile conversations about hospice palliative care and end-of-life issues. Tackling the tough issues with tenderness and the difficult discussions with dignity. Here's Jennifer May Anderson. Today, as our guest, we have with us Siobhan McArdle, who is the Education and Support Coordinator of the Alzheimer's Society of Hastings and Prince Edward. And Siobhan is a dedicated professional, I know, with extensive experience in management and education. She has been recognized for her ability to take programs from concepts to implementation and working with multidisciplinary teams. And I'm really excited to speak with you today, Siobhan, about Alzheimer's disease and end of life. So before we get to too deep into that topic. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself and your role at the Alzheimer's Society? Absolutely. I am part of a, a team. I'm the education support coordinator out of the Belleville office, but we have some other uh, education support coordinators for Quinty West um, uh, North Hastings, uh, Bancroft, and Prince Edward County. We also have a newly formulated First Links Navigators positions. Um, Peter and Sharon are in that position, and they do the intake for all of our Alzheimer's Society. We have a great team at the office. What is your role as an education and support coordinator? Yes, I have a very varied um, role, which is exciting for me. I do one-on-one consultations, including some home visits to people who can't make it to the office. I do... um, Support, run support groups for caregivers, which is so vitally important in this long journey um, that caregivers have supporting the person living with the disease. I do some education right here in Loyalist College. I teach PSW courses and RN courses as well about uh, Alzheimer's disease and dementia. So you're a very busy lady. I am, and I love every minute of it. Now, I I know that a lot of us have heard about Alzheimer's, but we may not have a clear idea about what is involved with this illness. And so what do you think um, people need to know about Alzheimer's? Dementia is the umbrella term for um, the symptoms that people with neurodegenerative diseases um, experience. So that can be short-term memory loss, um, trouble finding words, um, personality changes, sundowning, and a lot of other um, symptoms. But Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of this um, in the people over the age of 65. And I don't know whether you know or not, the burden of Alzheimer's disease and other dementias, that one in 10 over the age of 65 will have some kind of reason for dementia. So the burden is huge and only going to grow bigger. Unfortunately, it is a fatal disease, as we know it right now. So it falls under your um, um, premise of the hospice quinty that it is a life-limiting disease. There is no known cure and at this point in time really no known reason why people develop Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. I think Alzheimer's disease is just for everyone involved a really painful mystery. It truly is and it's a very long painful mystery Um, and it's a bit like how long is this piece of string? Um, Quite often we kind of can put it into kind of three early, middle and late stages uh, which can cover 15 years of people's lives and that's a long journey particularly for the caregivers. As you say, it's really um, not only supporting that patient with Alzheimer's, but supporting the caregiver. Mm -hmm. So what what sorts of supports do caregivers uh, need and what are they looking for and what are their experiences as they're they're Mm -hmm. caring for their loved one through this journey? Our first links navigators, uh, the intake people, and they certainly 
uh, link these people up with the organisations such as the South East Lynn Home and Community Care, which is absolutely vital, even in a learning stage, to make sure that that in-home assessment's done and appropriate care is put into place. Um, I think I always encourage my uh, care partners to put the name of the person living with the disease on a long-term care list because of our wait times. Um, you never know, even if you think you can look after that person forever, you don't know uh, whether you can or not and whether you're going to be physically able. Uh, it can end up that, you know, towards the end stage that people are completely non-communicative, they're incontinence of bowel and bladder, uh, quite often immobile. Um, it can be really problematic. There can also be some unusual behaviours that can be difficult for people to deal with and to come to terms with. But as we go through through this with our care partners, what we do see is a certain amount of ambiguous loss and grief, that this person that they have known and lived with and loved for the most part um, are disappear- is disappearing in front of them. They're losing that person. They're losing a whole lot of, of future hopes and goals. And um, it's it's very, very hard journey, Absolutely. So you talked about how you can uh, divide the progression of Alzheimer's with early, middle, and, and late. What could you walk me through that progression a little bit? What would what would trigger someone perhaps to call the Alzheimer's Society for support, or what would they be noticing? Well, we we encourage people to call. Uh, as early as possible so that we can uh, look at different strategies early on. We have something which we run called Memory Cafe, which uh, includes uh, um, socialization, good nutrition, exercise, and other elements that can really um, help people during the process with their disease. Um, so we, early as possible. Um, people make excuses early on. Oh, it's just them. Oh, they always forget their keys. So um, when we talk about, and it is a, it's a very blunt instrument to use but when we think about early stage it is that um, it's you know maybe five years in the early stage um, but I think it's longer because people do make those excuses. The middle stage is you know where we start seeing more significant cognitive impairments, um, physical impairments and then of course the end stage which we again can say three to five years um, Again, everybody is so different and so individual with this disease process. It is only a guideline. Um, And that's where people really need a lot of assistance, even down to feeding, um, to dressing, personal hygiene. You go through everything that makes us a human being and they need help with it. I know. And I think one of the things that's hard for caregivers is it's it's an emotional burden, but it's also a physical burden. It's a time uh, burden. Um, So what are some misconceptions that people might have about Alzheimer's that you'd like to to clear up? Well, the first, you know, there's, of course, the same with so many of our debilitating diseases. Is it catching or, um, you know, this person will have to die in hospital? Um, It's the same for every single person, and it's not. It's very individual. Um, So we just have to navigate with the care partner and the person living with disease for as long as possible through their wishes, their needs, their wants, uh, how they want to support this person. I have uh, in one of my support groups this woman who knows that her husband's name is going to come up on the list very soon for long-term care, and she's fretting because she feels that she is still able to look after her husband, and she wants to. So we make sure that she's linked in with uh, the 
South East Lynn Home and Community Care and as many supports as possible put in place to allow her to do this. If there was one thing that uh, you would want people to know about Alzheimer's, what would that be? You're not alone. And uh, we have a lot of people who will look out for you, will walk with you and take care of you as much as we possibly can at the Alzheimer's Society. I know that when we um, speak about uh, our hospice clients, which are people who are at at end of life for a variety of of reasons, there's a a, a great reluctance, I think you talked about that, about coming early, right? Mm -hmm. That that, um, uh, people don't want to maybe admit what they think or or know themselves because that, that makes it real. And I know that one of the barriers sometimes we experience are people say, I don't want someone coming in in my home. What's it like to go through a home assessment? The person has to be ready. And that's the first thing. So usually if someone's reached out to us, that indicates readiness. Um, we do encourage people locally, if possible, to come into the into the office itself because we have a lot of resources there on hand. I make sure that I go in a package of a lot of, of information so that I can triage it appropriately to what that person's needs and wants are. Um, seeing the person in their own, person living with disease in their own surroundings is so much better. They're not on edge, they're not distracted, they're not upset, they're not agitated. And it's being able to see how they how they are and how they are living as far as we can possibly do that in a, you know, a single home visit. Um, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of poverty out there. There's a lot of stigma around mental health, particularly in seniors. Um, and... There have been occasions where I know that I've not been allowed in the home because of that fear of being judged that, oh, I've only got three cans of soup in the in the cupboard, even though there's no way I'd be going into the cupboard. So, yeah, it's, it's stigma is still problematic, particularly in our senior population. There's so, many people are so proud. Yeah, it, it, it is hard. And I know we, we see a lot of things in our work as well. We know uh, as hospice workers that supporting the people caring for someone with a, with a terminal illness is important. And, and Alzheimer's, of course, brings that, that other dimension of cognitive mm-hmm. issues um, and change in personality, mm-hmm. all those things you spoke about. So what advice would you give someone who's caring for someone with Alzheimer's? Probably much the same as uh, someone who's caring for anybody with an end-of-life situation, is that you really have to be a strong advocate for the person. To get things into place um, prior to crises, uh, making sure that uh, advanced directives have been set up, and that's one of the first things we do talk about, actually, making sure that power of attorney for health is set into place. So again, there's uh, conversations don't need to be happening at the time of problems. It's interesting that you mentioned sort of that that legal paperwork thing. Um, It's one of the things that we speak about in hospice as well to people, even if you're 100% well, is to get your advanced care planning done, to get your power of attorney done, to get your substitute decision maker chosen. And so I know that all of those things are important. I know uh, we at hospice have lots of resources about advanced care planning. I'm sure you do as well at the Alzheimer's Society. So there's lots of places for uh, people to get that information. But I I do know those conversations are really, really hard for people to have. Uh, People don't want to think about the end of life, and they don't want to make those decisions. And then they they feel somehow that putting it in black and white and signing things mean that, that everything's around the corner, right? that death 
deaths around the corner. But I think that it's important to bring that up and to talk about that because even if someone is not experiencing a, a life-limiting disease at this point in time, always a good conversation to have with your mm-hmm. loved ones and with those who are, are your support people in your life and good to get all that legal stuff out of the way so that that doesn't become a burden when you're dealing with the emotional stuff. Absolutely. I think you're, you're so right on that. And when we talk about advocacy, it's really important with when you're dealing with someone who has uh, dementia is that they're not going to be able to speak for themselves and they cannot speak for themselves for a long time. So I know that we've talked about Alzheimer's as a life-limiting disease and as a palliative mm-hmm. disease. Um, I don't think it's one that people think of as a life-limiting and a life-ending disease. How do people die of Alzheimer's? That's a very interesting question. Thank you for asking it, because this is something that people are fearful of. On occasions, that can be that simply the higher function of the brain will be diminished to such a point it's no longer being able to work in being able to just simply breathe. Um, But that's less common than you think. Quite often it's secondary infection from something like aspiration pneumonia where because people aren't being able to swallow properly, food goes into the lung and then it's an infection process. There can be thromboembolic events, which means someone has a stroke uh, because Quite often they're sitting, that's all they can do, sit or lie at this point in time for them. Um, Immune systems are decreased, nutrition is problematic, and it can be that people can develop, even from a simple urinary tract infection, can develop a sepsis from that. So there's a lot of different uh, end-of-life scenarios that can happen. So if people want more information about Alzheimer's locally, where should they go for that information? Absolutely. We are located... Handily, quite close to the hospice uh, office, we're in the Bayview Mall, and uh, people can reach us either on the website at alzheimer.ca/hpe, or they can give us a call quite simply at six one three nine six two zero eight nine two. And I really encourage you to come and find out what we can do for you. If you're listening to us and you have any concerns about someone in your life with memory loss, cognitive impairment, just forgetting where their keys are, we can help. Well, thank you so much, Siobhan. It was a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. You've been listening to Heart to Heart with Jennifer May Anderson of Hospice Quinty. Their mission is to change the lives of the terminally ill, their families, and the bereaved for the better by offering support and companionship. Learn more about hospice at hospicequinty.ca and listen for Heart to Heart regularly at this time on Alternative Radio 91X.